hearts. There were a lot of drivers that left the championship fight following this race. Speaking of breaking hearts, we were also breaking a lot of parts for the Gen 7 car. Lots of concerns from drivers and fans alike. So let's get to it. Hey race fans, it's Taylor, and welcome back to Above the Yellow Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. Let's get right into our results for the Bass Pro Shops Night Race at Bristol, one of my favorite races of the year. I usually give that to Martinsville, but Bristol was also such a special track, and this night race is such an awesome event. Starting off with our MVP, our Shaq Gear MVP of the week. I gotta give it to the winner two weeks in a row. I try to be original with this, but honestly, with the amount of shockers that we have seen winning these past few rounds in the playoffs, it obviously has to be the winner of this race. This organization has been building up momentum all year long, obviously winning the Daytona Duels, but most impressively, this driver in his 250th start, getting his second career Cup Series win, breaking a 222 winless streak for himself, and a five-year and two-month winless streak for his organization, Chris Buescher becomes our 19th, guys, 19th different winner of the 2022 season. And obviously, as I said, this means that Christopher Buescher, yes, I know what I said, is this week's Shaq Gear MVP of the week. And this also means that this is the first time since we've had this playoff format that non-playoff contending drivers have swept the first three races of the playoffs. That is pretty impressive. I don't know if we're ever going to see that again. We might honestly see it in the next round going into the round of 12. But let's look at the rest of your finishing results of your playoff drivers as we're going to focus in on them a little bit more the rest of the season because, you know, you guys, it's for the championship. We got to focus on these drivers. We're also going to talk some points. But for now, in the second position was our first playoff driver of the night, Chase Elliott. William Byron, third. Bell fourth, Larson fifth, Chastain sixth, then we jump to ninth with Denny Hamlin, 10th Harvick, 14th Briscoe, 19th Suarez, 20th Sindrick, jumping again to Reddick in 25th, Logano 27th, Blaney in 30th, and then looking at the drivers that did not finish this race, Austin Dillon 31st, Bowman 32nd, and Kyle Busch 34th. What is wild about Bristol, this race in particular, is that 12 out of the 16 playoff drivers had issues. Maybe it was a pit road issue, but the majority of them had to do with the cars, whether it be a tire issue or a steering issue or a mechanical issue of any sort. 12 of the 16 playoff drivers faced issues. We're going to air out our grievances. We also have to end on a positive note while we talk about all of the things that we thought went wrong during Bristol. I put air quotes around it because... It's nothing that totally went wrong per se, but there's definitely issues that need to be addressed. First issue we are going to address is the one with the Toyotas and the Fords. The Toyotas saw power steering issues, some overall mechanical issues, and the Fords overwhelmingly saw tire issues. We don't really have a reason or rhyme behind this. The Fords have had a lot of just individual issues as a manufacturer this year as a whole. They've had a lot of the fires that start in the exhaust part of the car, and that's kind of been, it's been addressed. Of course, we're trying to see if the parts that they have addressed are going to be a permanent fix, but the Fords have seen a lot of the problems. Toyotas, however, they've had their issues this year, but overwhelmingly at the short tracks, and especially at the Bristol race, we saw a lot more issues than I think anyone bargained for, especially for the playoff drivers. Of course, we gave our MVP award to Chris Buescher, but I gotta give the LVP this week to just the Gen 7 parts and whole. I know that we'd like to give this award to a driver or a team or whatever it may be, but for me, this has no fault to do with the teams. I mean, I'm obviously not on the inside. I don't know if parts were messed with or I don't know what the teams did to make the tires maybe a little different, but I gotta give this to 
the Gen 7 parts as a whole. Martin Truex Jr. once his engine failed, he flipped his engine off. He flipped off his car and just kind of quoted Harvick by saying they're crappy parts. A lot of the drivers this season have been very clear that they do not like the parts that go into the Gen 7 car. The toe link, for example, it's pretty weak. They've tried to reinforce it, but just flimsy parts is what we've been getting about all these spec parts that are going into the Gen 7 car. So clearly over the offseason or even just hopefully in the next few weeks, NASCAR needs to address these issues. And unfortunately, they are plaguing the playoff drivers. But something that I'm also thinking of, again, I'm not on the inside, I'm not a mechanic, I'm not with these teams, but a lot of these teams save their best equipment for the playoffs. They save new things and new innovations for the playoffs to get their driver ahead. The issue is with this Gen 7 car, we don't know if those things work. I don't know if the teams know that they work. Obviously, there's sim testing and whatever else you can do, but unless you're on the track, we're not going to know. Also, I feel like testing at Bristol was pretty minimal with this tire and with this Gen 7 car, and obviously, we need to take a look at the short track package. There was minimal passing. We're going to talk about this a little bit in our race rating, but the short track package is clearly off, and with a race like Bristol that's usually one of the best of the season, I could say the same with Martinsville, there was a lot of stuff lacking. So I think these teams also need to be mindful, and we need to be mindful that they bring in some new innovations once they go into the playoffs and have those things been tested. That's in my opinion, why we might have seen some more tire issues from the Fords as these drivers are pushing that PSI limit that we talked about many weeks ago when we still had these tire issues. And with the mechanical fa failures and the power steering, that I don't know. I'm Like I said, not a mechanic. I can't put my finger as to what might be the issue, but it was overwhelming with Fords having tire issues and Toyotas having manufacturing issues, something that they're definitely going to have to take a look at in the next coming weeks. Speaking of the tire issues, another issue that I saw was inconsistent calls. Now, I've been back and forth with NASCAR this season on being consistent, inconsistent. Some races, they're better at it than others. I know that fans get pretty frustrated with the calls from NASCAR, but in my opinion here, I, I don't like how they call these tire cautions this weekend. We saw an issue with Brad. Brad had a tire go down from the lead. No caution was pulled. He had to go back to pit road by himself. Then Christopher Bell, he had a caution come out for his tire going down. I didn't see a total difference in the situation whether Brad was impeding the race or not, or whether Christopher Bell was impeding the race or not. They were impeding the race, in my opinion, the same amount. Obviously, I'm watching from my TV screen, so I can't be like a backseat racer or a, a couch commentator. I don't want to be that, but there were some inconsistencies too that um, actually um, Brad Keselowski's wife posted about. I'm not understanding when the cautions fall and when they don't. With her, I would agree with a lot of the fan base. I would agree too. Obviously, a discretion call on NASCAR's part, but that was something else that I felt actually affected the results of the playoffs just a little bit as it allowed some guys to get some laps back and as it allowed some playoff guys to get back into the fight as they were fighting for points. The third negative thing that I'm going to talk about here is 2311 Racing staying in the race after mechanical failure, after mechanical failure, letting Kyle Busch slip in the points. There's a few things I got to debunk here. So first off, I know that Joey Logano kind of had a similar slash opposite situation. Honestly, people thought that it was him leaving the race team orders so Austin Singer could gain points back and get himself into the playoffs. It was deemed by NASCAR, according to Bob Podcast, that Joey Logano's damage was significant enough to have him go off the track, make some changes, then come back on the track when possible. Same situation for 2311 racing. A lot of people thought that them going off the track for a significant amount of time to come back in was a ploy to try to get Kyle Busch out of the playoffs. Just, you know, some bad blood between Joe Gibbs Racing, Toyota, and Kyle Busch maybe was the case. 
Obviously, again, debunked, Bob Podcrest talked to the folks at NASCAR, and they deemed that the 2311 car's damage was significant enough to have them come back in, fix it, and then come back on the track. NASCAR, of course, in my opinion, would have black flagged or told 2311 cars that they are done if they did not meet minimum speed and they were not safe enough to return to the race. So first things debunked right there before we talk about why 2311 should have gone back in the race, and I think what they did was absolutely appropriate. We gotta remember, I know that Bubba Wallace is not racing for a driver's championships, nor is Ty Gibbs, but Bubba Wallace is in the honors championship fight. Of course, he locked himself in at Kansas, but he still wants to get those points. So him trying to go back in the race and fight for that spot is very valid. Ty Gibbs, of course, he really has nothing to lose or nothing to gain except for seat time. So of course, he's gonna wanna try to stay in the race. So of course, that knocks Kyle Busch out on points, which is very unfortunate, but also they also have sponsors to please. Of course, if you can stay in the race and fix the parts, do it. You have sponsors, there's money value in that. And when you don't go back in the race, when you could have, that's gonna look questionable to them. Obviously though, after this, Toyota might be a little mad that that move might have let Kyle Busch go out of the playoffs. That's behind closed doors conversations that we don't know that they might have, they might not. But in my opinion though, having Bubba Wallace and Ty Gibbs fight their way back into the race after several mechanical issues involving the steering, I think that's totally valid. I wouldn't be mad about it, but if I was Kyle Busch, I might be a little salty and I would kind of, I would understand that. I really would. All the negatives being said about some conspiracies and about the parts for the Gen 7 car, there are positives. I think Dylan Mama Smith tweeted this perfectly when he talked about how this is going to be going down as one of the best seasons in NASCAR history. And to that, I would agree. We have seen a lot of parody, 19 different winners, and at like, what, 70, 80% of the tracks, we have seen a much better racing product. I know there's a lot more drama involved though with the parts not working, the tires not working, some just random things happening that might shake up a win, but we are seeing drivers win these races this year that might not have won otherwise because of what this car provides. It really shows you who was a racer and who was not, who let the car do all the work for them and who actually was putting in the work. My opinion, Eric Jones, first off, just as an example, is a fantastic driver, but last year, Richard Petty, GMS, they did not have the equipment that they needed to get the wins. With this Gen 7 car, it gives Eric a perfect opportunity to get those wins, and it's a car that allows him to with the war of attrition and everything like that. So in my opinion, with this car, it has provided such good racing, such excitement for the season, and I'm hoping it continues. Obviously, though, as we know, as the car becomes older and older and teams try to catch up and manipulate the parts, I don't want to say manipulate the parts per se, because I know NASCAR is being very strict with what you can and cannot manipulate parts-wise, but as we see this car get more and more mainstream, in NASCAR, we're gonna see the cream of the crop rise to the top. At least that's what I think is gonna happen. That's what always has happened. So I'm enjoying the season now. And I do think like Dylan Mamba Smith said, this is going to go down as one of the best seasons in NASCAR history. It's just, it's been wild. All right, now let's look at your points situation, starting with the ATYL point standings. After the first round of the playoffs, obviously though, this is a full season long race winning pick bracket or point situation that we have going on here. So. After this weekend at Bristol, we have Dom moving to the lead with Christopher Bell as his pick. In second place, we have Adam with 74 points. Third place is a tie between Brandon Lowe and myself with 69 points. And finally, Rob is in last place with 64 points, but he's catching up very fast. He said pretty good race winning picks a few weeks in a row now. I'm pretty sure he's gonna overtake me in points, but very good job for him for catching up to all of us. As for the driver points, of course, after the first round of the playoffs and after every round of the playoffs, the points reset. The drivers that made it through are reset to 3,000 points. And then on top of that, they have their playoff points 
added to their score, I'm going to call it their score. And then of course we have drivers that did not make it through this round. Those drivers are Tyler Reddick, Kyle Busch, Austin Dillon, and Kevin Harvick. As a side note here, just, just if, we're, if we're remembering my bracket a little bit, I had all four of those drivers going into the round of 12. That means my bracket is not looking so good. However, it could be worse because I know some of you might have had Reddick, Kyle Busch, or Kevin Harvick in your championship four. So if that was the case for you, I am very sorry. For myself, I'm, I'm very happy that I didn't have any of those in my championship four. Round of eight, though, not looking so good. I think I had Harvick and Tyler Reddick in my round of eight. I think I had Kyle Busch leaving after the round of 12. Regardless, your playoff brackets are probably looking a little interesting right now. And if we look more at the points, the next drivers in danger going into the round of 12 are Sindrick, Suarez, Bowman, and Briscoe. And then right above that cutoff line would be Blaney plus four. The points are still very, very close, so anything could happen. The only driver with a comfortable lead is Chase Elliott, but again, we saw what happened in the first round of the playoffs. He lost that lead pretty quickly, so anything could happen. Another reminder, too, before the points reset, Christopher Bell was leading in points. Joey Logano, I believe, in second or third. So, again, that's a driver to watch out for that I don't think any of us expected. Christopher Bell doing really well in the playoffs and could actually be a championship contender in the Final Four. Something, of course, I didn't expect maybe, uh, like, last year, talking about, you know, his him being in his rookie year at Jungwoods Racing. Would not have expect, expected him to be this far into the playoffs in the second season. So, that being said, keep your eye on Christopher Bell. Keep your eye on Joey Logano, who could make it a historical moment going into the championship four on another even number year. Chase Elliott, also look out for him to maybe slip in the points or to stay on top as he is right now. All right, finally, let's rate this race above or below the yellow line. Of course, you all know how this works. We want to be above a 50%. That means this was above the yellow line, a good race. Below 50% means this was a bad race. So let's talk about what you all had to say on a Twitter poll. Roughly 30% of you said this was a great race. 27% said good. 30% said okay, and 13% said bad. If we look at YouTube, things were pretty different out of 544 votes. 41% of you said this was a great race, 24% said good, 19% said okay, and 16% said bad. Looking in the YouTube comments, we have a lot of discussion going on there, so make sure to check out those comments after this episode. But one of them from Joe says, if it wasn't for all the mechanical failures, it would have been as boring as Martinsville. On Twitter, Jacob Young said, a fine race, no big one though, but strategy came into play. And finally, Gabe said, Bristol dirt over Bristol pavement with the new car. I would actually agree with that. On the opposite side though, Adam Lucas from ATYL says, concrete Bristol is king. Wish we went to this place twice a year. Yeah, I know we do, but it's not the same. So much drama, so much pain, and so much excitement. You don't need a bunch of wrecks to have a hell of a show. Easy to rank this race at 88 out of 100 above the yellow line. Thank you all again for sharing your thoughts on the race. As always, we post post-race polls on Twitter and YouTube, so make sure to check those out after the race over the weekend to vote on what you thought and leave your comments. Here's what I thought, though. You know, the chaos was fun. The, the drama was fun. I love the playoffs. They create a lot of unnecessary and, I guess, necessary chaos. And I say for this race, it was necessary because if you take all of that away, the tire issues, the engine issues, whatever it may be, there was minimal passing. The product that we saw at Bristol, for me, was not totally Fun. The only reason it made it fun, again, was the chaos. We all already know that Bristol is a track that feeds off of track position, and that was the case on Saturday. 
Unfortunately, though, with the issues that we've seen with the package at the short tracks, and of course, NASCAR, in my opinion, like I said earlier, needs to really address what we're doing with this package and fix it for next year because I love short track racing. It's some of my favorite racing that we have in the NASCAR schedule. Before the Gen 7 car, it was probably the best part of our NASCAR schedule. Unfortunately, though, with this car and with the package that we have, it does not amplify the racing that we see at all. With that said, though, I'm still going to rate this race above the yellow line, and that is because... Like I said, the chaos made this race interesting and honestly made me want to rip my hair out at the same time. I gotta give this race a 70%, making it above the low line. If the product was better, this probably would have been like in the 80s, but gotta give it a 70%. Would you rate this race the same? And what do you think about those leaving the round of 16? Who do you think is going to make it in past the round of 12? Let me know in the comments below. And with that, we are done with this episode of Above the Low Line, the show where we talk all about the NASCAR Cup Series. To catch the latest NASCAR news in video form from us at Above the Line, make sure to check out our shorts on YouTube. We talked about Kyle Busch moving to RCR and Brandon Jones moving to Junior Motorsports. We talked about those in 60 second shorts. I also post them to Twitter as well, so make sure to check those out. Also, just as a heads up, you might be thinking, this video is a little short, Taylor. Don't you have a little bit more to go? I do understand that. If you remember on the old channel, the old ATYL channel, we mixed up our videos. We split them into a few parts during the week. We're going to start to do that starting this week for the rest of the season. See how it goes. See how you like it. So if you're missing a lot of the videos today, don't worry. We'll have more coming out later in the week. So to make sure you have updates on when we post and reminders about when we post, make sure to follow us on Twitter at underscore Taylor Kitchen underscore on Twitter for post-race polls and daily questions and follow Above Veal Align on Instagram, YouTube, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also make sure to check out TobyChristy.com on all social platforms to find great motorsports content and TobyChristy.com to hear and read more from the team and your favorite drivers. Last but not least, I want to thank Shaq Eyegear for supporting ATYL and TobyChristy.com. To show your support, make sure to use the promo code MAMA34 to get 20% off your order of Shaq Eyegear glasses. You can find all of our social pages linked in the description below, but before you check those out, make sure to like this video, subscribe to the channel, share this with your friends and family, and guys, thank you so much for supporting us here at Above Vila Line and TobyChristy.com, and until next time, we'll see ya.